Hello and welcome to Shattered Lives. I'm Kieran Bradley. Today we return to Dublin's special criminal court for the murder trial of Jerry the Monk Hutch. Mr Hutch stands accused of the murder of David Byrne at the Regency Hotel in February 2016. It is a charge that he denies. Two men, Jason Bonney and Paul Murphy, stand accused of facilitating the murder of Mr Byrne by providing vehicles. Both men deny the charges. When we left the case last week, audio recordings gathered by Angada Shakana had been admitted into evidence. Attention now turns to the state's key witness, Jonathan Dowdell. Mr Dowdell admitted a charge of facilitating the murder of David Byrne and has been sentenced to four years in prison. It is expected that, should he take the stand, Mr Dowdell will provide evidence supporting the state's case that Mr Hutch played a key role in the murder of David Byrne. Our man in court today was chief reporter for the Irish Daily Star, Paul Healy. Paul, welcome back. How are you keeping? I'm not too bad, Kieran. Thanks for having me. <laughs> well, it is your podcast after <laughs> all. Um, so we, we've had a we've had a few days hiatus, I suppose. Uh, um, the royal we of us doing the podcast here. So uh, you were in court today for the trial of Jerry Hutch. Um, we're in a, a slightly sort of odd situation here at the moment, which you, which you might explain to begin with. Yeah, so we're in a process called a voir dire at the moment. Um, it's like a form of legal argument, um, which is in relation to Jonathan Dowdall and his evidence that he will give on the witness stand. And effectively, the defence for Jerry Hutch, uh, Brendan Grehan, senior counsel, is making his submissions as to why he feels uh, that this, this witness should not be allowed to to make statements before the court. Now, that's a highly unusual thing. Uh, it very rarely, uh, maybe if ever, has, has has there been a case, I don't know, where a witness in a case ultimately doesn't get to testify. But um, that is essentially what they are now arguing, their basis, their reasoning for Jonathan Dowdall not being allowed to give testimony. So over the last three days, uh, Brendan Gretton has been calling witnesses, the Gardaí involved in the case, and outlining uh, those Gardaí have been outlining their interviews with Jonathan Dowdall, the statements made by Jonathan Dowdall, and then that's being scrutinised by the defence. Um, and what happened today was the culmination of all of that. So Brendan Gretton had, had interviewed all these Gardaí, and then he got up and he made his submissions before the three judges um, as to why, you know, as to what his objections were, as to what his issues were about Jonathan Dowdall and the evidence that he gave and the way in which uh, the evidence was collated as well by the Gardaí. So there was a lot, a lot in it, and it's a, it was a lot to take in, um, a lot of information to take in for, for me being back in the court uh, for the first time in a couple of weeks. But um, it's fascinating, like, because, as I said, this is a challenge, it's an unusual challenge, and they were trying to prevent an individual from giving evidence before he even speaks. Okay, uh, well, it's a bit of a baptism of fire for you coming back into this. So um, I realise there's, there's a fair bit of us for us to kind of chop through. Um, where do you think it's best for us to start over the last few days? Yeah, so on, on, on Monday, we, we heard the evidence from the now retired uh, Detective Superintendent Paul Scott, uh, formerly of Ballymun Guard Station. And he gave evidence about uh, receiving a phone call uh, on the 22nd of November uh, last year um, from a solicitor named Jenny McGeever. Uh, and she indicated that her client, uh, Jonathan Dowdall, uh, he wished to speak to, to Gardy in relation to the Regency. So this was the first kind of contact that they had. Um, and he said that he met with Miss McGeever in a consultation room uh, in the Criminal Courts building. Um, and she, she pre-prepared a document and um, 
there was a set of conditions then that were drawn up uh, in relation to in which Dowdall was willing to speak to Gardy and offer information. Um, so, you know, Mr. Scott, he, look, he, he agreed uh, with Mr. Gretton that it was clear in the first instance that, that, that Dowdall wouldn't be making any caution statement uh, that could be used against him in any way. Um, so, you know, they were willing to speak to him and, and hear what he had to say uh, without necessarily cautioning him um, in, in any way. So, Paul, I understand that there were a couple of queries really around the fact that the initial meetings weren't recorded. And uh, just, I, I suppose, a general concern, not a concern, uh, a general sense of what the preconditions were, uh, if, if indeed they were revealed in court. Yeah, well, the preconditions, I suppose you can understand from Jonathan Dowdall's point of view that he was about to make some very uh, sensitive statements and that he had concerns for his safety and his family's safety and he didn't want to be meeting Gardy in the prison. Um, he didn't want to be seen to be meeting Gardy. He was also receiving medical treatment, so he was going to the hospital and there was a proposal to potentially meet him in the hospital, but he was concerned about that as well, that somebody could witness that. So I think a, a meeting was set up then um, in, in a Garda station and that was arranged uh, for them to sit down for the meeting to not be recorded. So it was a confidential meeting. Um, I believe that Garda was going to take uh, notes subsequent to what happened, but effectively they were meeting him to hear what he had to say and it was going to be a short meeting. It was meant to be a short meeting. That was the precondition that they had arranged. Um, but I believe they met Jonathan Dowdall for three hours. That's what we heard and he made a, a, a wide range of allegations uh, mentioning many many names uh, and, and implicating many individuals in, in a number of criminal activities in the Regency Hotel attack so the guards were being bombasted with all this information so they basically said to Jonathan Dowdall go away now come back to us with a more prepared uh, structured uh, statement uh, and when you're ready you contact us so that was where they, they left it with Jonathan Dowdall um, but again, we went through all of this today. Uh, a huge gap, uh, um, months went by with no contact between Gardy and Johnson Dowdall. Um, do we have do we have a sense of why that was? Uh, sorry, I, I I hasten to I don't want to kind of butt in, but I mean it does seem slightly odd that if you have a a potential lead, if you like, from the from the Gardy point of view, that you'd you'd be pursuing it. I just wonder whether there were politics at play or whatever. We really don't know. I mean, I this this was something that was brought up by Brendan Gretton today. You know, why was it that such an amount of time passed by? And he implicated that it, it appeared at that point that the Gardaí weren't particularly interested in what Jonathan Dowdall had to say. Um, but uh, de 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 um, Detective Sergeant O'Toole said that uh, he had left it with Jonathan Dowdall and Jonathan Dowdall had been made clear to him to, to come back and make contact with them. But uh, the solicitor um, for, for Mr. Dowdall actually said that he didn't have a number for Detective Sergeant O'Toole, how was he supposed to contact him? I mean, was he supposed to ring a, a, a Garda uh, headquarters main landline and say, hi, I'm Jonathan Dowdall, I'm looking to speak to to the guards? You know, I mean, it was a bit of a ridiculous situation and that's what Brendan Gretton actually argued today, that it was incredible that, um, that, that Jonathan Dowdall was left in this state. Now, eventually they did get back in contact um, you know, but you would wonder what changed in that period of time where it appeared, as Brendan Gretton said, they weren't interested in Jonathan Dowdall's, although we don't know that that was his uh, submission, that they weren't particularly interested in what Jonathan Dowdall had to say, to suddenly being very interested in what Jonathan Dowdall had to say. So I understand there was evidence given by a couple more guards as well. You might just lead us through a little of what happened there. Yeah, so uh, yesterday uh, the court heard from Detective Superintendent Joseph McLaughlin 
uh, and he was speaking about uh, Jonathan Dowdall um, ultimately accepting the lesser charge of facilitating uh, a murder rather than um, the original charge of murder. And basically what Brendan Grehan was getting at here was um, Jonathan Dowdall was facilitating the Gardaí with information and as a result of that, uh, an arrangement was made for the murder charge to be dropped and for him to accept a lesser charge and, and, and he was arguing that these two things were going on at the same time that, that Jonathan Dowdall was getting a sweet deal out of this and so he was getting what he wanted he, I believe that's the phrase that he used that Jonathan Dowdall would get what he wanted um, uh, and and that he essentially had the, the state over a barrel uh, you know, in order to get what he wanted first before he gave any form of statements but that was that was heavily um, uh, objected to by the guards um, De- De- Detective Sergeant Patrick O'Toole as well um, uh, you know objected to that um, that there was any implication that they were arranging some sort of a deal with Jonathan Dowdall uh, in any way if I can just circle back to, De- to Detective Sergeant Patrick O'Toole for a minute um, he was asked by Brendan Gretton you know was there any evidence other than Dowdall say so um that that Jerry Hutch had effectively confessed uh, to the murder of David Byrne, uh, and and he said that there wasn't, um, which you know look that's extraordinary that that the 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 state's allegation is that Jerry Hutch was one of the team involved in the Regis Hotel attack, and 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 when challenged, one of the lead uh, investigators said, yeah, well look, the the evidence supporting that Jerry Hutch was there on the day, so to speak, that he effectively confessed to that. I mean. Uh, what was is only stood up by what Jonathan Dowdall said so that's a very key piece of evidence it's a huge part of the prosecution's case uh, so you can see why Brendan Gretton I suppose is is really nitpicking and getting down to is that is that all you have on that uh, and if so why basically um, and and Detective Sergeant O'Toole um, you know he, he was asked you know why Dowdall had originally been charged with murder um, that that he said that you know uh, Mr. Gretton said that you don't just pluck things out of the air like surely there was evidence uh, to charge Jonathan Dowdall with murder um, and he was asked what that evidence where it was and, and detective, the detective sergeant said that was in relation to the booking of the room so I don't want to retrace our, our steps here but we know that Jonathan Dowdall um, he, he and his father were involved in the booking of a room uh, for, for flat cap Kevin Murray in the Regency Hotel uh, and that, that was the evidence that they had yeah, it seems. Uh, sorry, I don't mean to cut in, but um, it, so just uh, as the as the layman of the the group amongst us, I might just kind of try and summarise uh, what it seems that the defence is saying. So they're they're essentially saying that Dowdle kind of had the whip hand when it came to uh, seemingly having evidence that implicated Jerry Hutch, or at least this was the this is the state's case. And there are now questions over the timeline and the the, the gathering of that information. It would appear. So just, I mean, if I have that right, by the way, uh, just next up, do we, do the prosecution have the opportunity to not cross-examine per se, but actually put their own case to the Guardi in this regard as well and, and kind of put the other side of things to, to the Guardi? Yeah, well, they do. But uh, as I say, today, Brendan Grehan was making his submissions uh, as to his objections and his issues with the Garda investigation. Uh, and then Sean Galan, um, the prosecuting counsel, got up at the end uh, today and basically argued against that. But I will go back to that because um, I just want to kind of speak in a bit more detail as as to that. So I understand that the 
the defence was saying the evidence against Elder was actually quite weak. Yeah, well, they were they were calling it soft pedaled evidence. Uh, Brendan Graham called it that, and he said that the, the, the guards appeared to be operating on limited facts. Uh, that that Jonathan Dowdall, uh, you know, it was it was connected to the Regency Hotel attack. Um, that's something you know that, that that the guards were defensive about. I mean, they they did have evidence in relation to the booking of the hotel room, and then there was the tapes, the conversation between Jonathan Dowdall and Jerry Hutch was which was quite incriminating. I'll come back to that conversation because there was a revelation about that as well. But in the course of the initial conversation with Jonathan Dowdall, as I said, it was three hours long. Um, he he indicated that he was in he was quite in fear uh, for his safety. He said. He was in fear of the Hutches and he was also in fear of the Kinnahans. Um, and he expressed a belief that, that him and his father had been used in some way. Um, and Detective Sergeant O'Toole said that, in, in his view, Mr. Dowdall appeared to be um, quite genuine. He, you know, he took him at face value. He said that he was somebody who was entitled to the presumption of innocence. And he didn't consider him to be someone that was a member of a criminal organisation. Now someone that might be just viewing and listening to this trial uh, from the outside might deduct he's entitled to the presumption of innocence you're saying you know he, making him sound like an ordinary decent citizen um why then did he end up becoming charged with murder uh, and then pleading guilty to facilitating uh, a murder if if he was an innocent party but i, I think the detective uh, w- was giving his viewpoint as to um, at the t- at the point in uh, uh, in time, you know that this this was an individual that he was taking at face value, uh, that was speaking to him uh, not under caution uh, for three hours um, about what he knew. But there was a lot of information, as I said. So they told him to go away, and and, and they did eventually speak to him again. Um, they spoke to him three more times, uh, and and the issue one of the issues that was raised today, which was that not, none of these interviews were recorded in any way, and that's something that Brendan Graham was objecting to he was saying that the these interviews should have been recorded they and they should have been taped uh now eventually an interview with Jonathan Dowdall was uh videotaped um but but that that's when they got to a certain point um but there are many many conversations with Jonathan Dowdall where uh the defense was effectively arguing that he had he had written this 42 page document uh, you know, because when he came back to the guards, he had put all of his thoughts together in a forty-two page document. Um, he was asked to sign it. Um, it, it the defense was arguing that the guards did not witness him sign this. Now he put his initials on each page, put JD on each page. Um, but a common practice here is that you get a person to read out their statements and then sign it. Um, and he was he was asked to read out this forty two page document, but he he said he was nervous. He got his wife uh, Patricia Dowdall to read it out loud instead of himself. So again, this was something that Brendan Graham was arguing. The common practice is you get the the, the accused, you get the person that that you're getting the statement off to read it back to you and to sign it, and that neither of these two things were done. So he's effectively arguing, uh, how can any of this be considered uh, when you know common practice wasn't followed um, but that that's something that was later uh, Sean, Sean Galan said you have access to all of these documentations uh, you can scrutinise the witness on the stand uh, these are questions that you can put to Jonathan Dowdall himself it's not an argument for um, not having Jonathan Dowdall give evidence at all if anything it's an argument for having him give evidence because you can cross examine him and you can ask him that question directly um, which was an interesting uh, rebuttal you know because these are all of Brendan Gretton's arguments as to why we shouldn't hear from Jonathan Dowdall 
uh, and and the prosecution is effectively saying, well, no, you, you you can challenge him, the witness, on all of this, and you have the documentation. It's quite interesting because it's almost a, a follow-on from what the, the, the defence were saying in relation to the audio recordings last week, essentially trying to paint a picture, I suppose, of Gardy acting out of line or out of order, if you want to say. And, and just to clarify, obviously, that audio evidence was admitted and that wasn't found to be the case. Um, but it does seem to be that that's, that's one of the attacks of the, the defence. Can I just ask on, on, on one slight um, uh, side point from what you were saying earlier, there was mention, of course, over the weekend of Dowdle being in fear of both the Hutches and the Kinnahans, and he is he's in an unenviable position anyway. Um, do we have a sense, or uh, has it been briefed, or have you asked questions around whether prison authorities are taking kind of extra care of Dowdle um, uh, in while he is in custody uh, is there kind of are there extra precautions being taken do we know yeah well, I, I would imagine we're not privy to all of them but we do know he's in limerick prison we know he's in an isolated landing uh, on his own entirely um locked up i think 23 hours a day he gets time for recreation but it's on his own his meals are delivered to him uh and i don't think he's been getting any visitors either i could be wrong on that but i, I think his conditions are pretty strict um but in terms of jonathan dowdall uh we learned a lot uh in relation to or sorry rather we didn't learn a lot but uh the, the think the judges were expecting to get an update today in relation to whether jonathan dowdall has been admitted into the witness protection program and um, because that's something that was up in the air he, he we knew that he had been he was being considered for it um but the prosecution, uh, Sean Gallant, uh, told the judges that he didn't have an update on that. He had asked, but he had not got the answer yet as to how, uh, if at all, that had progressed. And they didn't know also whether it's an issue because he's in jail, currently serving a prison sentence, whether that process is actually stalled until his sentence is over. Um, so that's up in the air. And that's actually created a, an issue that we didn't foresee coming, which was, um, you know, we expected to hear from Jonathan Dowdell potentially tomorrow um, and and time was actually being set aside even though the judges have yet to rule uh, technically speaking they are now going away and they're going to come back with a judgment tomorrow as to whether Jonathan Dowdell can even give testimony but they also indicated in the in the same breath uh, that they had been setting time aside tomorrow afternoon if they ruled in favour of Jonathan Dowdall giving evidence that they would be able to have him in court tomorrow. So effectively, but as a result of not- sorry, I don't mean to jump across, but uh, so effectively yeah. now we are just waiting for clarity. Is that right on the the status yes. of his witness uh, witness protection application? Okay. Yeah. Well, as a result of that, as a result of not knowing whether he's in witness protection or not, uh, the judges now need the answer to that. So the uh, the prosecution has gone away to find that information out. Uh, and if they do come back tomorrow and say, right, he has gone into the witness protection program or whatever, apparently there's a rake of documentation that come with that and it'll have to be admitted and the judges will have access to it, although a lot of it will be redacted. So that's going to further delay the amount of time uh, that it'll take for Jonathan Dowdall to get onto the witness stand. So so the judges actually, Miss Justice Tarburn said that she could foresee a, a possibility uh, that now we might not hear from Jonathan Dowdall if his evidence is admitted uh, before Christmas. Ah, okay. And then in which in which case then? Which is unfortunate, but... Yeah. It, it sure is, yeah. Um, in which case then, I presume it isn't a case of the case being adjourned until after Christmas. It's just that evidence that would otherwise have been heard later in the trial would be heard a little bit earlier. Is that correct? 
Yeah, well, I'm not sure what else there is, to be honest. Uh, like, Jonathan Dowdall makes up the rest of the case. Um, so what we're going to have tomorrow is a ruling from the judges as to whether Jonathan Dowdall can take the witness stand. I presume that they... I, I, I don't want to preempt the judges. It's their own decision, obviously. But uh, Miss Justice Tara Burns did say that time was going to be set aside, potentially, for Jonathan Dowdall to take the witness stand tomorrow. Um, so that indicated to me that although she hasn't actually made her judgment yet, that the judgment was going to be in favour of Jonathan Dowdall giving evidence. And as I said, it would be extraordinary and unusual, and I don't think it's ever happened where a witness has been prevented from giving evidence in a trial. It would be unusual if that had happened. But today we, we heard in lengthy detail uh, from, from Brendan Grahan his submissions, uh, his objections to, to Jonathan Dowdall's evidence. And I, I, as I said, we could be here all day talking about it, but some of the interesting things that came out in the interviews with Jonathan Dowdall between Gardy and, and himself, um, the, the the final sort of eight-page document that was drawn up from a, an interview with Jonathan Dowdall uh, this year, um, he he contradicted basically uh, so much of, of what was said in the, the now infamous 10-hour recordings, the conversation between himself and Jerry Hutch in the car, um, and I don't propose to go through all of that again, but he basically said I was on tablets at the time um, and and that I was kind of trying to talk up and I was trying to impress Jerry Hutch and I don't know really what I was saying. It was, and, and Brandon Grehan was saying, well, he, he, he was effectively saying, oh, it was all a pack of lies. And, and, and also everything that Jerry Hutch was saying on the tapes was a pack of lies uh, and, and none of it, you know, uh, none of it was true, basically, is what Jonathan Dowdall was saying. Is it, is it just me? And again, this might be my greenness showing through here, but is it not better for the defence if you're looking at this sort of objectively that Dowdle does take the stand and you you have the ability to, if indeed there are these contradictions in what was said at various points in the case and aspects that of the, the state's evidence were are kind of leaning on, that you're able to then just effectively tear him apart. I, I mean, it just seems to me that that would be the, the process that you would want. I, I, I'm struggling to see this, the kind of logic really behind it. That's what Sean Galan said, um, the prosecuting counsel. You know, you have the opportunity to be able to grill uh, the witness on all of these things and cross-examine him on all of these issues. Um, I, I think it's, again, I, I don't want to speak for a legal professional, but I, maybe it, perhaps it's a matter of course that, you know, they're going to object to each and every element that they can. Uh, Brendan Grahan was objecting to the manner in which the investigation and the statements and uh, were taken from Jonathan Dowdall. Uh, the fact that the meetings weren't recorded, um, he he really nailed down on that that it, that he felt that the, it wasn't best practice, it wasn't right practice. And now that was objected to by the prosecution. They said that everything was above board, above uh, and and that there was nothing wrong done. It was perfectly normal practice, and every piece of documentation and every email has been given to the defense to scrutinize at length um so everything is above board is, is basically their argument um as i said i think maybe it's just a matter of course i mean i think uh, it would be highly unusual if this evidence was not admitted uh, if we're not going to see john dendell all on the witness stand the only thing that's going to get in the way of this uh, is this witness protection issue which which at the moment is up in the air um so we just it remains to be seen what's going to happen there um, so I guess we've gone around the house a little bit with regards to the defence's case and, you know, there's a few strands to it. I wonder if you might be able to sum it up for us in, in a way only you can, Paul. <laughs> I I shall do my best. Um, well, look, I think effectively the defence were arguing 
um, that there was potentially some sort of uh, effort made uh, to facilitate Jonathan Dowdall. Uh, he could accept the lesser plea of facilitating the murder and that a null prosecute would be would be uh, announced in relation to the murder charge so the murder charge would be dropped and as a result of that he would give statements and that Jonathan Dowdell got what he wanted and that he had the state over a barrel and and that they had colluded together in some way uh, to facilitate him um this is something that was vehemently denied denied by the prosecution and by the guardy uh they 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 stated at length that there was no uh, the Gardaí didn't necessarily know what was going on at the end of the DPP. Um, there, there was a proposal by Jonathan Dowdall's solicitor to drop the murder charge, uh, and and this was an email that Brandon Graham was referring to. Um, but that was the DPP came back and said no, they won't be doing that. Um, and and Brandon Graham kind of argued about that 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 the fact that this was an in in an email form. Um, indicated that there you know that they were looking for confirmation of something but that behind the scenes that there that there was conversation again this was denied um because i think it was 14 days later or a number of days later uh after the dpp had said no we're not going to drop the murder charge that that decision changed and that they were going to drop the murder charge in favor of Jonathan Dowdall pleading guilty to the other charge the section 72 um the charge that he's got 4 years in prison for um, but again, as I said, the prosecution had denied that there was any kind of, um, you know, um, quid pro quo, quid pro quo there. Uh, in in that, you know, if you do this, then we'll drop the charge and we'll take care of you. I mean, it was actually indicated by the prosecution that there was no relationship between them and Jonathan Dowdall. Uh, that this wasn't some sort of uh, sweet deal that he was getting. Um, you know, people will read into that and scrutinize it how they want um but but that's what was said well paul thanks a million for everything again today uh we're very happy to have you back and uh we we will be back to you later in the week with any luck uh depending on what happens in the special criminal court but in the meantime thanks very much take care thanks kieran